to Geminit, a podcast about knitting, spinning, and dyeing, and other crafts in Mid-America. Hi, I'm Sherry. And I'm Tamara. Thank you for listening. We are recording on August 16th of 2020, and today's episode is a new season. So we're starting a new season to take advantage of a slightly different format because editing, we needed to make some editing changes since we are recording remotely. So we'll just keep on doing this until we can start podcasting in person again. We're going to start with a little bit of intros about ourselves for people that are joining us for the first time. I am Sherry, and I've known Tamara since we were in college. I think we met my sophomore year, and we've been hanging out ever since. We have so much in common, but we're also very different, and we're going to talk about that a little bit right now. So one of the things that we are the same is that we both have lived in Africa as part of the Peace Corps. Tamara, why don't you tell about that just a tiny bit? Okay. I think I actually got the idea to join the Peace Corps because of you, because you'd already done it before and you talked about some of your experiences. I went back to grad school and I didn't like it. And I happened to run into a Peace Corps recruiter on campus and I'm like, yes, yes, that's a good idea. And I mentioned it to my then boyfriend. We hadn't been dating for very long at all. And he's like, that is a good idea, but we have to be married to do it. And so he proposed right there and we got married and we joined the Peace Corps and went and lived in Africa. I knew your husband before I knew you because we lived on the same floor of the dorms and he and I talked about the Peace Corps a lot. He had already wanted to go. My story is completely different. I was in the Peace Corps when I was a child. I was four and my brother was two. We are some of the only children that were ever in the Peace Corps. The reason we got to go was because my dad was a, a grad student in plant geneticist and my mom had just got her bachelor's in nutrition. So the combination of them was so attractive that they allowed them to join even with children. So I lived there for three years. I went to preschool and kindergarten and first grade in Africa. Yeah. A lot of my growing up memories are from that. You still travel a lot. Why don't you talk about that? Okay, so we travel anytime we can. I love it. I actually get restless. I feel like maybe I uh, come from nomadic roots because if I'm in the same spot very long at all, uh, I get restless. I need to travel. I like to be on the road. I like long road trips. I like to live different places. In fact, this is the longest I've lived anywhere because I have now teenage boys and we're trying to let them grow up all the way through the end of high school in the same location. And it isn't as easy as I thought it would be. What about you? <laughs> I don't travel very much. When I was a kid, the longest I ever lived in one location was three years. And my dream as a child was to live someplace and never, ever move again, ever, never. So um, I have that now with my house in Kansas City. When it comes to traveling itself, I find it usually physically painful. Um, so I don't enjoy it. I don't like road trips after six hours in the car on the first day. I am done after that. It just doesn't do it for me. What I do enjoy is getting someplace and staying there for a week and then coming home because it's the actual traveling part that is physically painful. Whether I get like gluten on the road or if it's something else, I don't know. 
but that means when we rent a house together, then that's awesome. Or going to knitting retreats is also awesome. But everything else, the going around and doing the road trips and whatnot, that's a big no thank you for me. Yeah, I really like it. We will plan a long one and we'll we'll only stop one or two nights any specific place because we want to show that the, now they're teens, but the boys, we want to show them everything that we've seen before. And if you try to fit that all in, I mean, one of them is going to be a junior in high school starting shortly. So we don't have that much time left to show them all of the things. And so, yeah. Yeah. And also you enjoy it. That's true. I do really like it. Next up is on your blurb uh, that you put on your patterns and on your web page or whatever. You mentioned that your hair changes colors all the time, and I love that. And both of us did that for, we started at the same time. One of our good friends came down with pancreatic cancer, and everybody, like 20 of us, dyed our hair purple for um, pancreatic cancer awareness. I got to say, I'd always sort of wanted to before that and was never brave enough to research how to do it or willing to pay the price at a salon to do it. But when this happened, then I was like, it got me over the hurdle of doing it. And then I loved it. I had to stop because of allergies. I hope to do it again once my skin calms down and I'm not rashy all the time, but I'm scared of making rashes worse. So I'm going as as chemical free as possible, but you still do it all the time. So what color is your hair right now? It's purple, but it was almost black. (laughs) I've been, um, I I did dye my hair purple and it had been a while before I used to do it years and years ago. My hair started turning white when I was like 24. So I thought, well, I'm going to be bright red for now. And then I'm going to be a different color. And I I enjoyed it, but I'd kind of quit there in the middle. And when our friend got sick and we all dyed our hair purple, I realized I still really like it. Finally, knitting, the reason of this podcast. So Tamara, you're a knitwear designer. Why don't you talk about that? Okay. I am a knitwear designer. And so I have a lot of different patterns up on Ravelry and a few other places, webs, nitpicks, uh, love knitting, some magazines and stuff. I really like the process of starting with one size and then grading it out into six or seven other sizes. Most recently, I've started doing it into eight sizes. I like I like doing the math. I like figuring it out. I like following it all down along the different sizes. And I know that's a little geeky, but, you know, most of our friends are engineers or computer programmers or mathematicians, and we all play board games together. So it all just fits for me, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, my favorite thing about the knitting is the yarn. I take classes about yarn. I buy every yarn that I can. I smush yarn. I smell yarn, I spin yarn, I love to spin yarn, and then out of that, knitting is a way to use it. I'm a little bit more freeform. I always, always do a gauge swatch, and then I do the math to get the circumference of my cast on, but after that, I sort of just look at my knitting. If it's right, it's great, and if it's not right, I change it to make it right, and I use as little math as possible. Not that I'm math phobic, I just don't particularly enjoy that, especially when um, I'm very much a trust your instinct sort of person and a just do it sort of thing. I'm just making the one object. 
I don't have to worry about doing it again a second time. Yeah, Yeah, that's important. I actually have something about that a little bit later. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get on to the body of the show. Do you have any current projects right now? Well, I'm working on, um, I'm going to hold it up. We actually, we're recording remotely, which is why we're changing the format. But also, we decided it would be fun to be able to see each other. So I'm going to hold up my sweater to my, can you Uh see it in the light? I I can see it. I love these cables. It's a teal color and it's a DK weight. Put the cables up close to the camera. How's that? Oh yeah, I like that. Thank you. So I really like it too. It's actually pretty warm here right now, but it's time for me to be getting my new fall and winter stuff ready. So I'm I'm knitting on this sweater while we talk. I love it. I love the color. I love the cables. It's a top-down, seamless, raglan, positive ease, and the cables are kind of asymmetric. They offset each other as down the body, and I like them. Uh-huh. What yarn are you using? It's actually a Knit Picks uh, gloss in uh-huh. I... I've lost track of what color it is, but it's like almost a teal feather color. It's beautiful. I love it. The gloss is their wool and silk blend. What about you? What are you working on? I was going to say nothing, but I dug deep and I was able to pull out the socks from the Wichita Woolery yarn. And I'm not finished with them, so I'm pulling them out to work with them. So they're gray with little rainbow stripes. That's fun. And those colors come uh-huh. out just knitting a sock? You're not doing anything? Yeah, not doing anything. Oh, I am doing a knit six. And then on the seventh stitch, I am doing a um, seed stitch. So uh-huh. a broken rib. Six plain, and then the seventh one is a broken rib. Yeah, that's pretty. It's got nice pops. Of, I think you hate when I say pop, but it's got nice bright <laughs> colors in it. <laughs> I'm loving this yarn. I've been using it all summer, off and on, this one skein of yarn, and I still love it as much as the first day. Hmm. Any other current projects? Sure. I started, actually, uh, Wichita Woolery. I have some of their very pretty deep red fingering weight, and uh-huh. I, don't have it, I don't have it in the room with me. I had to close myself off from the dog and the cats and the teenagers. It's real pretty, and I'm doing a top-down crescent shawl out of it. And I've actually knit that one and ripped it back, knit with that one and ripped it back a few times now because I'm trying to uh, decide on a new way to do the increases down the body. Uh, I think I've just about figured it out, but I've had a lot of fun working with that yarn. I, I really like the bright red color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's kind of all of my current projects, but then I do have a couple of finished things. Okay, I do too, so go ahead. Okay, so the Astrid tea pattern came out. That one's finished. That uh-huh. design is published and released. And the Prairie Winds pullover that I was talking about, that one's the top down out of fingering weight. And it's got the slightly flared bell sleeves and the diagonal lace at the bottom. That one's in uh-huh. test, knitting, test knitting now, um, which I'm real excited about. I've gotten, I wrote that one for eight sizes. So I've got the largest size is new for me. So I'm still looking for a tester for that size, but I've gotten good response uh, through the other sizes. So I'm real happy about that. The hot chocolate hats are finally in test knitting. And actually that's moving fast. Um, I put the date way out because I never want to rush testers, but of the 11 testers, nine of them have already finished their hats and given me their answers for the survey questions and everything. So that one's moving really fast. It's hard to keep track of that one. So is that the one where you already have a cowl, so you'll have a set? 
Yeah, yeah. The cow yeah. was it was cafe blend, and then the hats are uh-huh. hot chocolate hats, so they're all kind of like a cafe. Which maybe I'm missing going out to get a fancy coffee here and there. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta let me know as soon as that is released because I love sets. And I don't know if you're done talking about finished objects or not, but I'm just going to cut in with mine. I finished the malachite cow, which is your pattern. Oh, that's and, really pretty. Uh huh. And oh, thank you. <laughs> I shouldn't just say uh huh, like yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for saying that. So you wrote it for sock yarn, and I wanted to use DK weight, so I took out one repeat. But it is still very long. Uh huh. Yeah. I love it. And because I am about the sets, I did a mashup of the lace from your cow for just a single repeat. And then I used the rest of the numbers from your Maggie hat. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. Those are, those are a nice. What color of pink is that? It looks like a great color for you. It is, I want to say, dusty orchid. So that's mm-hmm. the color it is, whether or not that's the name of it. It's a Malabrigo. Um, yeah, it's pretty. My On our show notes, there'll be a link to my Ravelry project. If you can use Ravelry, you can click through and see the actual yarn that I used on it. Yeah, that's really pretty. Actually, speaking of Ravelry, I know that's really been bothering something. And there's another thing that I was going to add in this spot. I finally opened up my Etsy shop. This was the push I needed to do that. You know, hopefully they'll figure it out. It seems like they're still going back and forth on solutions or whatever. Hopefully they'll figure it out. I'm sorry everybody's having to deal with that, that it bothers. But in the meantime, I opened an Etsy shop called Tallgrass Knitting and I swooshed a lot of my patterns over there and it was an excuse to start playing with beads again. So I've made stitch marker sets, like full sets and then mini sets to mix and match. And I put up one kit. I got the kit finished. So I'm kind of Uh excited about doing that. Tell us about the kit. It's the Prairie Rose Cal, and that's the one where I collaborated with Elevate Fibers and their Silky Merino yarn, which is a superwash and mulberry silk blend. Uh-huh. And they did a colorway just for this project. It's called Golden Prairie, and it's got pinks and whites and pops of gold in it. Uh, I just said pop again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it's, that, it's their yarn, and their skeins are long. So that's 400 yards, which is more than you'd need to finish the project, which is kind of cool. And then it's a printed full-page copy of the uh, all of the pages copy of the pattern and I put a code on there to download the pattern as a pdf if people prefer it that way and I made a limited edition single stitch marker that matches the yarn uh-huh I had fun pulling that together well I've seen the yarn and it is gorgeous and the cowl is very nice too it's cool that you put that together as a kit yeah, I was excited. They were real open to it, too. I asked them, I said, would you be interested? And they're like, yes, yes, we would. So I thought that was very nice. Excellent. All right. Do you have any other finished objects? No, that's it. That's all my list. Okay. I do. All oh. right. I did this cowl, which is Broche for Beginners by Emma Galati. Uh-huh. And it's the first time that I've done two color broche. The first six rows were very challenging, and then the next um, inch or two were not enjoyable, and then the last four inches, because I think it's about six inches wide, and yeah. let's get you up where you can see that. And, yeah, um, that's cool. I like how it is reversible. 
Because yeah, that's one that's thing cool. about these cowls that break down to your chest is it seems like it always flips. So the pretty side is the one that does not show. And this one's pretty on both sides. Yeah. That's really cool. I've never done brioche. I was going to do it when I had um, classes scheduled for a conference in the area. And then, you know, that didn't happen. And instead of saying, well, I'm going to go teach myself to do this, I said, huh, I guess I'll just wait till next time. So that's cool that you <laughs> taught yourself to do that. <laughs> it was... Um... Not hard after I just complained like the first six rows were really, really hard. But, you know, by the end of it, it was not hard. I knocked the thing out within. I cast this on Thursday night and I finished it this morning. That's fun. And then the last thing I finished was some hand spun. Uh, I participated in Tour de Plis, so I did a whole bunch of different spinning, but this is the only thing I actually finished. And it is... If um, you remember back from our local posting on Ravelry, and I showed that rainbow-colored fiber, and you were yeah. like, I can't imagine what that's going to turn into. Well, this is half of it. So this is the rainbow where the pink turns into purple, turns into turquoise. Yeah, that's pretty. And then later on, you'll be able to see the where the turquoise turns into green and then into yellow and then I think back into a different green but I haven't skeined that up and washed it yet I finished all of that and that's all I finished yeah that's really pretty I don't spin so I don't have any idea how much time that took but it looked like a lot I don't know somewhere in between two and four hours Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it is what you're looking at right here is 100 grams of I feel like it's sock weight, but I always misjudge looking at my hand spun and then actually knitting it up. So it'll probably actually feel best at a sport to a DK gauge. Uh-huh. Yeah. It would be enough for a shawlette. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or if I do the whole rainbow, a full-on humongous shawl. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That shawl out of Wichita Woolery, I have two skeins of her fingering weight, which is a uh-huh. lot of yardage. So that one's going to be huge. I'm kind of excited about that one. Yeah, at that point, it like passes the shawl lead and becomes a shawl, right? Yeah. 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 So is that it for this bit? I have some fantasy knitting. Oh, I yeah. have a pattern. I went and bought the yarn for it this week, and it's going to go with that little fake rabbit fur pom-pom from mm-hmm. like our one of our very first episodes. And the reason I chose this pattern, well, first off, I think it's adorable. And you can go open it up, but it is Blanche by Cleonis. I'm not sure if that's how she says her name. Yeah, I see it. I'm choosing it because I think it's adorable, but also because I will get to learn the um, tubular cast off on this pattern. Okay, I don't understand how that works. Yeah. So I'm not really sure where the cast off is on this pattern either, but I do see how the brim of the hat is knit in a different direction than the other hat. So I'm assuming there's going to be, I am wondering if that ridge in between the ribbing and the uh, garter stitch, if that's the tubular cast off, or actually maybe you knit a garter stitch hat and then you pick up stitches and knit down and the tubular cast off is around your forehead. Let's just say I've not bought the pattern yet, so I'm just guessing, wildly guessing. The yarn is Luth yarn I gave you at Christmas, so we'll have to review it. You'll need to pull that out and swatch. 
Okay. And um, because I'll be knitting with it for the first time. So I'm super excited. Yeah, that is that sounds like fun. This is a cute pattern. I'm excited to hear how it, how the construction works. Yeah. And one of the most things I'm really excited about is it's such a huge gauge. So I'm hoping <laughs> it just falls off my needles because I need that right now. Yeah, it's really cute on the little girl. So if you can make it slightly bigger than kind of yes, slouchy on you. Yeah. That is my hope. It only comes in one size. So we'll just have to see if I can aggressively block it or what. But it is super cute on that little girl. I agree. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready to move on to mulligans? Yeah, sure. I'm actually staring at the thing I'm knitting. I'm wondering if I have a mulligan on it. I'm going to have to put <laughs> oh, it no. put it down. <laughs> We were just talking about how you like uh, finishing projects and not really worrying about having to reproduce it. And I was thinking, yeah, okay, so I have this cowl. Um, I'm getting ready to put it into test knitting here in another three, four, five weeks. And mm-hmm. I, I knitted a while back, and it's beautiful, and it's using a, a lace pattern that I used for a T-shirt a while back. And uh, it was a lot of fun to knit. I liked the yarn. I got all the way to the end of it and thought, okay, I'm done with that project. I'm going to set it down, and I'll come back and write it when it gets closer to time for the test knit, move on to new things. So that was mistake number one, or maybe <laughs> number three. <laughs> I should always write it right then as soon as it's finished. So everything's like in my brain. I can't forget things because I can't tell you how many times I've recounted what maybe I did. Um, So that was mistake, I think, number three. Before that, um, the mistake was I didn't count the stitches every row or every round. Um, And I know that the lace changes the number of stitches in each repeat. And so that changes the number of stitches around. And I like to give lots of information to people knitting my patterns. And so I want that information in there, but I didn't count it. So I had to go back and figure it out, which is kind of a pain. But more importantly, I couldn't tell when I was looking at the finished cowl if I had a mistake. So maybe it wasn't going to look quite right because I didn't count it when I was making, I was just having fun knitting it like a knitter, right? Uh I I ripped that thing all the way back, all the way back. And I'm starting back over. (laughs) And it was pretty, it was pretty, it was a beautiful cowl. If I wasn't trying to write a pattern for it, I'd have been done, done, done. I even had Uh the the insone in and I had washed it. Well, which is a indication that this yarn is really strong. It's, uh, mm, I don't have that one in here with me either. It's a Nunya. I'll look it up while you can. Do you have a mulligan? I'll look up the yarn while you're talking about yours because sure. it's because so it has held up. Talking about ripping it out and reknitting it, I'm like, no, knit a new one, knit a new one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I want to take pictures out of this shine, and that's all I have of it. So no, no, I ripped it. Okay, so my mulligan is not a mistake. What it was is that. I wanted to cast on a new project, and I didn't have a single needle in between a size 2 and a size 7 available for me to use in my uh, knitting storage container. So I went through all of my um, projects on the needles, and I evaluated each one on whether or not I wanted to ever come back to it, and I spent a Sunday afternoon ripping out projects. So I ripped out, um, I started with 45 projects on the needle. Seven of them, I decided that I was willing to rip out and reclaim the yarn and reclaim the needles. That is a mulligan in that I have 
brand new yarn all over again. Right? That seven is a lot of projects to rip out. I'm still in the 30s, though. I prefer to be in the mid-20s for my peace of mind and not being overwhelmed. So I went through again today to see if there was any more I could rip out. Because I even went in there with some particular ones in mind. And I looked at them and I'm like, no, no, I'm going to finish those. Which is probably a total lie. But they're not hurting anything. So I did not rip out any more today. All right, I found it. The yarn I was talking about that really held up well to being knit and sewn in and washed and dried and then unsewn in and ripped back to the beginning, not once but twice, is Nunya by Mirasol uh-huh. by the Mirasol Yarn Company. We've talked about them before. Yeah. Um, and it's their blend of uh, rayon from bamboo and silk and wool. And it's it's fun to knit. It's a nice kind of fall yellow gold color that I really like Um, and it has it has held up really well to to my process yeah well I'm not familiar with that yarn but I love that company so I'm not surprised excellent all right that's all I have for my mulligans is that it for yours yeah that's it next up is our product review so we're going to talk about how we store our circular needles because we do the same thing why don't you start us off camera okay a little bit more than a year ago, uh, July of 2019, I had to change how I was storing my needles. I used to store them in a kind of a pretty makeup sorter on the wall. So I could see them. It was on my project wall. They were kind of pretty. It was a little bit messy, but I didn't care. Um, and that was good enough, except for um, I have a cat named, well, I call her the tiny cat, but her actual name is Blargnarf Destroyer of Worlds. <laughs> and she is 7.2 pounds of chaos. <laughs> and she found my needles um, and decided she was interested in how I were having them on the wall. And then, then they weren't on the wall. And I still haven't found all the needles that she moved around the house at that point. So uh-huh. I, had to, I had to figure out something different. So now I have a pretty sorter that's got nothing in it. Someday I'll find something that she's not interested in to put back in it. And I switched over to, um, I asked around, I probably even asked you, and maybe that's how I ended up with what I got. Mm -hmm. I asked around to friends, like, how do you store your needles? What do you do? And a bait binder, or sometimes called a worm binder, that is sold in the fishing supplies of different stores for serious fishermen, that's what I ended Mm -hmm. up with. Yeah, so that is what I've been using since, oh my, since maybe my third year knitting. When I lived in Southern Illinois, my knitting friend there, she turned me on to them. And when you got yours, I upgraded. I went from the one that you have right now, which is like the Bass Pro brand, right? Right. It's a Bass Pro extreme. There there was a deal. Um, I could uh-huh. get the, the one side or I could get the double side. And so I uh-huh. thought... I mean, it's just a few dollars more. I'm going to get the deal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I had the double side for years. I kept uh, circulars on one side and double pointed on the other. Well, mine was 15, 18 years old, and a foster dog had chewed a corner, and it was just no longer aesthetically pleasing because of the age and the damage. And it still worked, but so this was entirely because it didn't please me anymore. And the plastic was cracked. And we're talking, it was super old, even though right. it worked. I got the Plano Guide Series 3 bladed bag, 
And the reason why I'm giving out the exact brand of it is because the, the pockets that it comes with it, instead of being a large plastic pocket like uh-huh. yours is, each of those is um, divided into two. So yeah. it's beautiful for double-pointed needles or the tips of interchangeable needles that don't happen to come in a um, their own fancy case. So I use all of those for my double-pointed needles, and then I bought the extra infills that are just like the ones you have that keep my circulars in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds cool. I'd like to see, I don't know, can you hold it up to the cam- camera, or is it not anywhere near you? It's not anywhere near me. Okay, well, someday, I, sometime I'd like to see it. Well, I do use the inserts, and each page, I just put my all of the size, like the first one is size zero. And so I'll put all of my not interchangeable, so fixed circulars and also my DPNs. And I put that in the first uh-huh. little, in the first little envelope and I put painter's tape on it. And then I wrote in painter's tape what size the needles are. So I could pull it off later if I wanted. I've had one too many bad experiences with masking tape. And so I went looking for something else. And so far this mm-hmm. seems, this seems to be working and each of the storage sheets is reinforced and it's got kind of metal around where it goes into the, it's like a three ring binder, although I think it's only got two rings um, and it's reinforced there. So they're not going to rip off quite as easily. I've been real happy with it. So. Yeah. Yes. I love it. And it zips up like a little briefcase. It does. It's very easy to carry around to knitting events or whatever. I'm always a little bit worried about having all of my needles in one bag when I do travel to knitting bits or whatever. And sometimes I take out just the ones for my project, but usually I just go for it and grab the whole bag. I do too. Because I'm worried about um, if my head wasn't attached, I would leave it behind someplace. So that's what I'm worried about. Right. But then at the same time, having every single needle I own in this tiny little brief, soft-sided briefcase thing is so nice that I end up just doing it. Right. I always take it with me because, you know, I said earlier we like to go on road trips. And so I'll pack three, four, five projects. If I can fit it in the car, if I still can shove that yarn in the car, I will bring it with me just in case. Because, you know, what if we end up someplace where I don't want to knit on the sweater? And I want to knit. I mean, we're taking a whole car. I can fit it. Um, (laughs) So then if I can fit all those projects, I can also take all of my needles. um, and Uh Because this will shove in a pretty small spot, too. I do bring it with us. I have to keep it zipped because she was Blargnarf, Destroyer of Worlds, otherwise known as the Tiny Cat, was paying attention when I moved all of the needles from her fun area to this. And she's not dumb. Every so often, she'll go find this binder and see if maybe she can get to the needles. Uh, So far, the answer Uh is no, as long as it's zipped. But I I Uh think even the sturdy plastic sleeves would not stand up to her if it was not zipped. So I agree with that, even though they're very sturdy, mm-hmm. but cat teeth are sharp. Yeah, that's uh, one of the sweaters I um, unraveled in the mulligan section. Still fit fine and look great, but had some cat chewed holes. And I looked at it really hard to decide if I could repair them seamless, you know, invisibly or not. Yeah. But they were along the raglan increase line. Oh, man, and that's I decide, rough. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, but he loves to chew um, sheepy wool and silk. And this so had sheepy wool and silk mixed together. So it was irresistible. Right. And I did not have my bag zipped. Yeah, that's tough. 
Yeah. I think that's all I had to say about this. What about you? Yeah, that's it. So just that uh, we both recommend worm binders or bait binders or blade bags. Those are the three different terms that I found for them. Okay. And we should put links to both. Um, I'd like to take a look at yours online. So I'll try to uh-huh. put links to both in the show notes so people can go take a look too. All right. Podcast announcements. Join the Geminet Podcast group on Ravelry and follow us on Instagram at Geminet Podcast. Next up is That's Entertainment. What do you have for this? We were watching, uh, we had this epic rewatch of all of the Marvel movies in order, and uh, we finished all of them. We went all the way to the end uh-huh. to Endgame, and now we've started watching the current season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I'm really liking. They're doing some time travel, hopping back and forth, and I'm really liking the different outfits and hairstyles and stuff. Uh, the teens could care less, but, um, <laughs> and then when we, when we find one that hasn't quite made it to where we can watch it yet, cause, uh, we're having trouble recording stuff and sometimes they don't release them until later on their websites. And but anyways, we'll fill in with, um, old agent Carter episodes. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing on our list. Do you want to go back and forth or you want me just to keep going? You can keep going. Okay. We finally figured out how to do a socially distant movie in our backyard. Um, Uh And we've done that twice. And that's been really good entertainment. One time we invited over a handful of teens and I spray painted spots on the grass in bright orange neon spray paint seven feet apart. So then I didn't need to keep saying, make sure you're paying attention, stay socially distanced. I just, you know, said, hey, do you see the spots on the ground? If you're being careful, that's how far apart you'll stay. If you need to be closer than that, put on a mask. You guys are outside. You should be fine. And then I wandered off and they had a hoot doing it. And then we did another one um, just last night and we showed the Princess Bride to my, Uh uh, to Grandma and Grandpa, my mom and her husband. So that was fun. I love the Princess Bride. Does it still hold up? It's been like five years since I've seen it. I love it so much. I'm sure that I still love it. Yeah, no, it still holds up. She'd never actually watched it all the way through. She has a thing about about rodents. And so the rodents of unusual size were creeped her out. (laughs) And there's a... The R-O-U-S's, yes. (laughs) And there's a part in there where um, he's... Somebody mentions the mask that he's wearing and they're like, you know, you can't trust people in masks. And he says, no, they're terribly comfortable. I think everybody will be wearing them at some point. And all of us in the backyard went. (laughs) (laughs) So strangely appropriate. Um, And with the new format, we decided we would start talking about um, food stuff kind of in this entertainment section. And I have one one favorite food thing that we've done since the last time we talked. And um, it's buffalo chicken in the Instant Pot. So it's just like chicken thighs and hot sauce and some ranch seasoning powder, which you'd probably have to, I'm sure that's got gluten in it. So you'd have to figure out something different for that. And chicken broth, that's all it is. And you throw it in there and you don't do anything at the end, you shred it. And then you eat it either on buns, like a slider or in a wrap with a little bit of um, blue cheese and blue cheese crumbles. And I really like it with shredded cabbage. One of the teens likes it with a whole bunch of lettuce and it is super easy and it feels really fancy. So it was really good. Sounds good. Now you said buffalo chicken. Does it have like that buffalo sauce? Yeah. I think all that is is Tabasco, as far as I can tell. Like to my palate, it tastes like what I would get <laughs> at a restaurant. So I could be completely wrong. If you know something different, please tell us. But um to well, me 
Yeah. I get buffalo sauce in a container like a um, salad dressing container. Uh Uh-huh. And I make a really mean buffalo cauliflower Mm. where you just bread up some cauliflower and and cornmeal and then you roast it in the oven and then you pour this pre-made sauce on it. Wow. I think that's what you did with the ranch and the Tabasco. I think so too. That sounds really good. It is. It was really good. I'll try to find a link and put that in the show notes too. What about you? What do you have here? I have not been knitting very much for all that I have three finished objects for this podcast uh, because from a lot of typing at work, my hands are all tingly and I don't want to come down with carpal tunnel. So I'm trying to rest them a lot. So what I've been doing is um, Sims 4, a computer game, has come out with the Nifty Knitting Pack. I've been a diehard Sims 2 player for decades, and I did update to Sims 3 about six years ago. In some ways, it's better than Sims 2, but in that uh, the people in the neighborhood do age and die because that's the problem with Sims so that happens in Sims 3. The problem with Sims 2, which is absolutely delightful, is the neighbors never age and die. So you could be like five generations in and this you still have the same creepy neighbor <laughs> or the same sexy neighbor or whatever. You can just so decide I they're finally... vampires. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they actually have vampires. Uh. And um, I went to Sims 3 because they did have horses. So I did have about a nine generation line of pink horses with purple polka dots on them because apparently I'm still two (laughs) and that I was breeding but I didn't like how the kids were in that one and I didn't like the animation they made it more real but it was also more um it slowed down the computer and it was less free-flowing so instead of the cartoonness that like went on like you were watching a cartoon on your computer screen it became more live action but everybody was moving in slow motion Mm -hmm. and stuff like that that i did not enjoy as much i upgraded to sims 4 it was super duper on sale it was um five dollars and 99 cents and then the packs they have the base game super cheap because the adding the packs on is what makes it really really playable I'm loving it. However, there's the caveat. The first five hours sucked. And then I stopped playing it and I watched YouTube videos on how to play it. I read wikis on how to play it. I I pretty much dedicated two evenings after work on how to play this computer game. And then I went back in and played it and it was awesome. So if you don't, if you think that something should be self-evident or you'd like figuring things out as you go along, uh, I'm not sure this is for you. If you're willing to spend, and I would recommend not not muddling through very long. I recommend going out and researching immediately um, and doing that and then going in and playing it. Because things like even how to move the camera around so you could see the different parts of the town was not intuitive. Now, once once somebody showed me how to do it, then it became, oh, light bulb moment. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. getting to that point, so irritating. <laughs> but um, I got this two weeks before they dropped the knitting content. So I played it for two weeks first. Had a lot of fun keeping bees and gardening and all different sorts of stuff. 
and then I bought the knitting pack the day it released. In fact, I got up early that morning to buy it, and it wasn't there. And then I had to Google their release time, and traditionally they drop it at noon, like Eastern time. So I got it at one o'clock my time. So I actually took a break from work and <laughs> bought it and downloaded it. <laughs> I but really quick, you know. It's, right, oh, right. I work from home now. I work from home now, so my home computer is only two feet away from my work computer. So I just ran over and I hit the buy button and I ran back. Right. It was less than a bathroom trip in case anybody from work hears about this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I actually got off work, I was able to play. And you know what? Once they get the knitting in hand, it became really difficult to get anything accomplished. So I made the dad. I had this little family where the dad was the author and the mom was mostly a mom. She was also a woodworker because you could neither one of them ever wished to have a career. So I just kept them uh, staying at home self-employed. So they were super poor. Yeah. Once they got the knitting, the dad had the knitting. I, every time I'd make him like write on his novel so that the family could have some money, he would stand up and wander away and knit. <laughs> and I would tell him to exercise. And then he would start exercising and then he would stop and he would knit while sitting on his weight machine. <laughs> and then one time I caught him knitting on the toilet. It's like just every time I tell him to do something, he would start doing the thing and then he would not finish it and I would find him in a corner knitting, <laughs> which is super irritating and yet so true to life <laughs> that it is awesome. Uh, uh, at the moment, he is making macrame um, plant hangers okay. and he's getting really good at it. So, yeah. Maybe he yeah. can sell those. <laughs> he can. They've installed a little Etsy-like thing so uh -huh. he can put it. It has a different name. But he can put it up for a sell on Etsy. Or if I just want to throw it away without going through that process, I can just, the throwaway options gives you some money. As, uh, you want to sell this, yes. Or you can post it and you pay to post it. And then I haven't gotten very far with that because I'm waiting for him. I don't want him to put up on Etsy poor quality stuff. And right now his socks are labeled poor and his uh, macrame plant hangers are up to excellent. And I don't want him to start selling stuff until it's to the good or the excellent stage. I see. And the, the options is he can give it to charity, he can sell it, he can frog it, or he can give it as a gift. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah. And the best thing is there's a... Um, because when you click on your person, it pops up all these different things you can do. It's like, do you want to flirt? Do you want to talk about sports? Do you want to do all this stuff? And one of the options he has is teach someone else to knit. Uh -huh. And doing that is adorable because he knits. He's pretty. You can't really see what he's doing. But at least the needles are going the correct direction. He's moving his hands correctly. Um, but the person that's being taught to knit, like their tongue sticking out and their <laughs> needles are going in all different directions uh, and they're like really hunched over it. And it is so cute. Oh, yeah. I have never oh, played um, this game. I feel like you should show it to me sometime. Yeah. So anyway, I have the way I learned about it was back in 06, my favorite knitting blogger dedicated for Sundays to taking screenshots of her sim game and then writing a story about it. Uh -huh. So it's really about her being creative with her storytelling. 
and she was an excellent writer. It was a red shirt knitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, her blog has been defunct for years now. It was my favorite day of the week. I loved her cat stuff and I loved her knitting stuff. But Sunday, I was there every Sunday to see what her Sims were doing and the story that she wrote about it. And after reading that for about a year, I started buying Sims 2 DVDs, CDs, what are they when they stick them in the computer? It doesn't matter. I started, they started coming up used places. So I got all of, not all of them, but quite a few of them used super cheap. Uh And then I became addicted. And it's such a game that I can't play it all the time because I don't have an off button. Mm. So I'll like play it. I'll lose a week into it, completely lose a week into it. Like I'm in college or something. And then I have to put it away for a quarter Mm. because I can't just keep on losing time. And I say a weekend, I lose a weekend. And then I like keep on going through the work week for like three or four more days, like all of my time after work. And then I'll be at a point where I am finished and I'll shut it off. And I'll not come back to it for months on end. And then I'll pick it up again and keep going. Yeah. But I love it. Uh, Maybe if I didn't live alone and I had people that tell me, like, I need to stop and eat food and stuff, Mm -hmm. I could just play a little bit every day. But um, without that thing, I get sucked into it because it's probably designed that way. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure this Sims 4 is easier for me to walk away from. It is less... I must get to this next step. I must get to this next step, which other computer games are the same way, mm-hmm. but they have an endpoint. You know, you end your quest and the game is over and it's pointless unless you want to play your quest a second time. This game has no endpoint because it's just raising children yeah. and working careers and gardening and cooking and knitting and public speaking and um, building houses. Oh, I love the building the houses. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, All right. That sounds like fun. I do enjoy it. Next up, local trivia. So we went on the long trip. We I mentioned we've been seeing local things. I named this section of our lives because, you know, teenagers. But Operation See Local Things because we aren't going on a road trip this year, right? But, uh-huh. okay, so we decided to do, there were three things grouped together pretty far away. It's the furthest out of the local things I wanted to show them. We'd be, been seeing other local things. Um, and we decided to do them all at once one time it's almost time for the kids to start school again. So we're trying to kind of fit stuff in. They're going to start online so we can still do some traveling, but we're not sure how that's going to look. So we'll see. But so anyways, we drove four hours away and we looked at these three things and then we drove back and I have decided that I am naming this a day trip because we're not going on Mm -hmm. a road trip this year, (laughs) but (laughs) We went out to see uh, in western and southwestern Kansas, kind of all right together, Monument Rocks National Monument, which I didn't know was out there. I lived in Kansas off and on for a good chunk of my life. I'd never heard of it until I went looking for stuff like this. And then not too far from that, um, it's like a 70 foot tall sedimentary formation of chalk just in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Right. So you got to think that people coming through on wagon trains were like, what is that? We got to go camp next to that for the next, you know, you could see it for days, I'm sure. Uh-huh. And then um, really close to that, there's a little Jerusalem Badlands State Park, which is like a brand new, shiny, squeaky state park. And it looks a lot like 
the painted desert with kind of small cliffs and hills. So smaller, but chalk formations. And then the Lake Scott State Park, which is really close there too, is the furthest northern and eastern Pueblo ruins right down, kind of nestled in a lake. I didn't know we had any in in the state of Kansas. I didn't think they... I didn't know we did either. And I really liked the lake. I'd like to go back and camp there sometime. It was kind of nestled down in with them some hills and there was a fresh water of the lake and there was a spring. And I, I think there's pretty constant wind out in that area and it was nestled down in and protected. So I definitely see why people would have chosen that to build a settlement, you know, three, four, 500 years ago. So it's pretty cool. But going to the Monument Rocks, I got bored going on interstate and we decided we would go the back way, you know, and the nice lady in my phone's like, at the next available spot, turn back onto the interstate. (laughs) And I just kept going the other way. So eventually she rerouted us because we came at it not on the beaten path. I started to worry that we weren't actually going to find it because these huge 70 foot rocks should be visible from a ways away. And there were no signs of it at all. Like we drove Mm -hmm. over two different cattle guards Mm -hmm. just in the middle of nowhere. And we're on a gravel road at this point and it goes down to dirt for a little bit, not just gravel. And at one point the road actually veered around a big tree. Cause when you get that far (laughs) into Western Kansas, like a big tree is not something you want to knock down if you don't have to. It's been there for Uh a long time and it's tough to get that big, you know? And, and so I was saying to the teenagers in the car, you know, guys, we may not actually find this one. It's a good thing we've got two other things to go see in the area because four hours is a long way to drive to not find the thing. And then we go around a hill and back over a hill uh, kind of up and there it is. And they're way bigger than I had imagined. So they were really cool. It was worth going to. They're still on private land. So there was uh-huh. there were signs there. Um, that said things like, you know, leave no trace, which you would expect, but also don't honk at the cows. This is private land and it makes the owners unhappy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we did that. It was fun. That sounds really cool. Of the things, those four things you saw, I only knew about one of them. So the other three were a surprise to me too. I definitely did not know about the Pueblo room. Yeah, no, I didn't either. You know, I was looking for stuff to do in the area because I thought, you know, if we're going to drive four hours to see some big rocks, even if they're big rocks. I mean, I need to show the teenagers something else. Right. Uh-huh. And that's how I, I happened on them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what County is this in or what town is it next to? Or Lake Scott is not too far outside of Fort Scott. Okay. And that was another 20. It took a little ways. Cause we were again off the beaten path. That lady in my phone must get annoyed with me. Cause I'm like, ah, I'm not going that direction. <laughs> and she just reroutes us. I'd say it was maybe between the three, maybe 30 miles in a circle. Okay. Not too far further. If you go back to the actual roads. So. So cool. Well, we talked at least twice about this being a new season and new episode formats, but never said what that is. Uh, What it is, is we're not doing two-part episodes anymore. We're doing just a single-part episode to make editing easier. This is a good place to stop, and we will just see you next time with a new episode. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening.